fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. Around the world. This This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Podcast. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to the show. Here's what's coming up this week. Hi, I'm Craig Andrews, and we specialize in building rapid trust for high ticket items, especially MSPs. We're going to be talking about how you can build trust with your prospects to close more business, but more importantly, not just more business, the business you want to work with while avoiding the businesses you don't want to work with. And on top of that interview with Craig, we're also going to be starting a short series about sales meetings. Later on, we'll be discussing how you can persuade your prospects before you even get into a room with them. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hey, producer James here. Before Paul starts this week's show, I want to tell you how you can take cash straight out of his wallet. Have you entered yet Channel Days? It's a major free MSP promotion that's on right now until July 21st. There's $16,000 of prizes being given away this week and next. Paul's giving away $1,000 of his personal cash as a grand prize on the last day. To get in the draw, just register at paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash days. That's D-A-Z-E or D-A-Z-E if you're in Blighty. Register now and maybe you'll win. Good luck. Paul Green's MSPmarketing.com slash days. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Kicking off this week, I've got a bit of a bizarre subject that I want to speak about. Quite often I'll come up with ideas for this podcast from things that I see or stuff that happens to be in my life or particularly from books that I read. And I've just listened to an audiobook called Die With Zero. Now bear with me, don't switch off yet. The whole point of this book is to make you realize just how, if you like, temporary and how short our life is and how running our business for the pursuit of wealth only is not really a great way to live your life. And in fact, the concept of die with zero is that you should enjoy your wealth as you're building it up. And there's lots of uh, good advice in there about making sure that your children are well looked after, but not making your children wait till you die <laughs> to get to get the big chunk of money from you. Not wait, not making charities wait till you die to get good contributions from you. It addresses all of those kind of issues. And one of the one of the, the concepts in the book, which has really stayed in my head, is the concept of delayed gratification. What is delayed gratification? It's where we put off something, things that we really want to do. And in fact, I was having a a conversation with an MSP this morning just about this very thing. Uh, He really enjoys gardening. He enjoys growing fruit and vegetables and he has an allotment. I don't know if an allotment is just a UK thing. It's kind of a, a separate patch to your garden where you have a piece of land just to grow vegetables. Uh, I think that's just a UK thing. I think it, it goes back to uh, like wartime Britain back in the 1940s. But they're still around today and lots of people enjoy having allotments just as a place to grow things to eat rather than in their garden. It's just sort of beautiful flowers and plants and stuff. 
And this MSP I was talking to this morning was saying, well, when I asked him what he enjoyed doing in his spare time, not that he has a great deal of it, he kind of came to life as he was talking about, oh, I love, I love planting tomatoes and doing this and nurturing this, and I want to build a greenhouse, and I want to do this and this and this. And of course, one of his core problems is he doesn't have enough time to go and do all of these things because he's working, I don't know what, 50, 60 hours in his MSP. And to a certain extent, he's delaying the gratification of the enjoyment, the enjoyment of doing his allotments. I know lots of MSPs who are delaying their gratification. I myself am delaying gratification on travel, on other things that I want to do. And partly that's to do with school-aged child, partly it's to do with, with other issues and just being focused on building the business. This book has a really good message about the dangers of delayed gratification. Take, for example, let's say you wanted to do a parachute jump. Let's say that was your thing, to chuck yourself out of a perfectly good plane strapped to a bit of cotton. I'm not judging those who do that, Jack, you know I'm talking to you, uh, but there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But let's say you wanted to do a, a plane, a parachute jump. And I've never done a parachute jump, but at the age of 48, as I think about it now, I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, I've dislocated my shoulder a couple of times in the past. Don't want that to come out. Uh, I've currently got a, a fairly major knee injury. Can't run at the moment. So I've, I've sort of got a big tear in my cartilage and there's all sorts of knee problems going off. And I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking, yeah, I just don't think I'll bother. And that's at 48. What am I going to be like at 58 or 68 or 78? My mother, for her 75th birthday, has said she's going to do a parachute jump. Is she is she nuts? Why would you do that? Because surely doing something like a parachute jump at 25 or 35 is a much better experience than when you're 75 or certainly even 48, which is what I am. Because doing a parachute jump as you're a lot older, you've got a lot more things to break, right? There are a lot more things that can go wrong with you and the recovery from that is greater. And this book talks about things like travel. One of the author's uh, regrets of his 20s was not that he, well, he, he spent his 20s building up his career, building up an asset base, and whereas one of his best friends took six months off, uh, it's a US author, took six months off, went to Europe, had an all, you know, amazing backpacking, staying in hostels experiences, the kind of experience you couldn't have in your 30s or 40s because, I don't know about you, but you'll never catch me in a hostel or backpacking, not at this age, maybe at 22 I might have done that. Do you see what we mean here by delayed gratification? Go and listen to this book, Die With Zero, or go and, go and read it, because I think in there, there is a really good core message of balance. Sure, building the business is really important. I mean, that's why we're here, right? That's why I'm doing this podcast, and it's why you're listening to it or watching it on YouTube. But the big picture here is getting that balance, building the business, but also enjoying your life, doing the things you want to do as quickly as you can do them at the same time as growing the business. I think that is the balance that you and me and every other MSP has got to work towards. Here's this week's Clever Idea. We're going to start a short three-week series today, and it's all about sales meetings. Today, we're going to talk about things that you can do before your sales meeting to improve your odds, increase your odds of actually converting them at the meeting. That's what we'll do today. Next week, we'll talk about things that you can do at the meeting, and then in two weeks' time, we'll talk about things you do in the follow-up, so after the meeting. Essentially, we're doing before, during, and after the meeting. And there are two things that I want to talk about today. Uh, the first of them is something called pre-appointment pre-suasion. Have you ever heard that word before, pre-suasion? It's where you persuade someone 
before you ask them to do something. And it's actually a book. It's the title of a book, Pre-Suasion, written by the amazing Robert Cialdini. He's a psychology professor who focuses just on marketing and has done for many decades now. He wrote the book on influencing people and psychologically influencing people with uh, marketing, and that's called Influence. And then he wrote Pre-Suasion around about six, seven years ago. Gotta be honest... Don't tell Cialdini that I said this, but whereas Influence is an epic read and everyone should read it at least once a week, that's a joke, you should read it once a month, uh, Persuasion felt like a, a lot of writing for a small number of ideas. If I'm honest, don't shoot me for having that opinion, but there we go. And anyway, I've read the book, so you don't have to, and, and I've pretty much described it. Persuasion is persuading someone uh, before you ask them to do something. So... When we talk about persuasion, we're talking about, let's say we've done some marketing, you've done some marketing, and you've got this lead, and you have got this lead onto a video call, and you've had a 15, 20, 25 minute conversation with them on a video call, and at this point, you have gotten to agree to what you and I would know as a proper sales meeting. You are going to go and sit down with them and try to sell them your stuff. So at this point, we assume that marketing has done its job and sales take over. And this is the point now where many MSPs say, oh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. I'm really good at this bit. You give me the appointments and I will turn them into clients. But no matter how good you are at sales, there are always systems that you can build to, as I said earlier, swing the odds, increase the odds of you winning more business. And you want to swing that to be dramatically in your favor. I don't see any point in leaving anything to chance with any part of your marketing or your sales. So we're going to start then with this persuasion, And this is about persuading them before the sales meeting. Here's what I suggest, because these are practical actions I'm going to suggest. I think before you go to meet them, you send them something in the mail. They're not digital, nothing, uh, nothing in the digital realm, nothing on email. You physically send this to them. What you do is you get a professionally written and designed case study or case studies book and you get it printed in a high quality booklet. So you might, for example, go out and do some case study videos with some of your favorite clients. Case study videos are always the best place to start because once you've done the video, you can then repurpose that into something written like a booklet. Of course, you can't take a written case study and repurpose that into a video or at least not a video that, that is particularly persuasive. So I would recommend get some videos done for your website, which is professional case studies of your clients talking about how their lives are better as a result of working with you. And then you repurpose their words. You get their words transcribed, not just from the finished edited video, but you, you take everything they said across their interview. And you get a writer to repurpose that into a case study. So you're still telling a story. You know, you're still telling, uh, talking about uh, their journey with you, but you you repurpose it into the written word. And it would be a little bit different in a video than it would the, the, uh, the written word. You get that designed as a booklet professionally, and you get it printed professionally. We're not talking on thin tissue paper here. We're talking thick paper, proper design, proper printer. It's got to look absolutely professional because you are going to increase the chances of winning the work or decrease your chances of winning the work based on what's in that case study booklet. So you post that to them and you tell them when you book the sales meeting, you say, I'm going to send this to you in the mail, 
please can I ask for your commitment to read this before we meet? And you do actually go and ask them to do this. Remember you're doing this, doing this over the video call when you're actually booking the appointment. You say to them, I'm going to send you a case study booklet so you can see the experience that other business owners like you have had working with us. Please, will you, will you agree, will you commit to reading that case study book before we meet? And of course, everyone says yes, and many of those people will go on to do that thing. They will go on to make that commitment. Uh, this is actually another Cialdini, um, um, it, uh, what does he call it, weapon of influence, where people, if someone says they're going to do something, they, they typically will go ahead and do that. Commitment and consistency, that's what it's called. We like to be consistent with the commitments we hear coming out of our mouth. Now, um, there's, you, you may be aware of Marcus Sheridan. They Ask You Answer, uh, who joined me in an early episode in January this year, which is actually now our most popular episode ever so far to date. And he talked about the concept of They Ask You Answer. If you go and read that book, one of the things he talks about is exactly this, sending social proof before a meeting. And actually, he has got to the, the point uh, with his businesses now that if they, they send videos, they send YouTube videos, which is fine. I just think something in the, in the mail stands out more. But they send YouTube videos and they've got to the point now where they will not go to the sales meeting if the prospect has not watched the YouTube video. And that's pretty hardcore, but I like that. It's what I like about Marcus is everything he does is designed to increase and improve his chances of winning the sale. So that's a little bit of persuasion. One thing you can see it's a one-off job. Prepare your case study booklet and then a small number of those need to be sent out, one to each decision maker and influencer at the prospect you're going to see before the meeting. There's one other thing that I recommend you do before your appointments, and that's do some practical planning. So you need to fully research your prospect before the meeting. That means, of course, studying their website, uh, pretty much looking at their overall digital footprint. What I mean by that is you Google them, but you, you kind of look... You don't really have pages anymore, do you, on Google? But you just keep looking and keep looking and keep looking until it's it's about someone else and it's nothing to do with them. Um, find out who you're meeting, who are the people you're meeting. Look them up on LinkedIn, each individual person. In fact, while you're there, why don't you connect to them on LinkedIn as well? And you can also research basics for the actual meetings, such as where wherever you're going, where can you park? You know, what does their building look like? Go on to Street View on Google and look at it. And ring up reception and ask reception. Tell them you've got a sales meeting and say, how do people usually dress? Because if you turn up in jeans and a shirt and they're in suits, that's not a great start. And vice versa, if you turn up in a suit and they're all sitting there in jeans and tatty t-shirts. All of that kind of research really, really pays off when you actually get to that meeting. And that is what we're going to cover off in next week's show. Paul's, Paul's blatant plug. There was me jabbering on there about sales meetings and actually most MSPs get stuck a little bit before then. Lead generation. How do you find more leads and turn them into prospects and turn them into meetings? Well, we have a solution. It's called the MSP Marketing Edge, and it is the only marketing solution out there that is based around a weekly marketing system. We have four simple steps that you just need to put into place with your MSP, and we literally talk you through it every single step, step by step by step by step. We could not make it easier to take your hand and lead you through setting up a weekly marketing system. And once you've done that, 
you suddenly have consistent and persistent marketing that no one else in your area can have because we only supply this to one MSP per area. So the first thing for you to do is check to see whether or not your area is still available. You can do this at mspmarketingedge.com. The big, big, big interview. Hi, I'm Craig Andrews. I run a marketing consultancy out of Austin, Texas. And I am delighted to have you on the show, Craig, because I think the kind of marketing that you specialize in is exactly what MSPs need to win more sales. Because in this interview, we are going to talk about trust, how important trust is, why it's so important to build it up. And I know that you've got for us later on a framework that MSPs can use to actually build that trust quickly. Before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. What's your background and what brings you being on a podcast like this? Well, I, when I graduated high school, I was not what you would call a model student. And, uh, and I would not get into any university that anybody had ever heard of. So I went in the Marine Corps for six years, had a very good recruiter, great salesman. And he got me for six years. And when I got out of the Marines, I thought, well, let me go into engineering because I had a desire to create and build things. And I got into engineering and, and unfortunately, I got an undergraduate and a graduate degree before I figured out it's not the place to be creative. Uh, it's, it's very, very restrictive. And so I went from that to marketing semiconductors for mobile phones. And I've been in the, uh, the buildings of the world's largest mobile phone makers. That's changed a little bit over time. Uh, but that was a great run. Uh, the margins in those industry have been eroding. We had a 20% downslope on price per year. And I knew the day was coming when they would ask me to fly to Asia in coach. <laughs> I used to go four or five times a year. And the thought of flying to Asia in coach four or five times a year was not my idea of fun. And um, when that day hit, sure enough, I got out of that industry. And I decided that I would start doing more general marketing for more you know, typical companies. And I uh, started that a little over 10 years ago. And it's funny, I run across some of my buddies from the semiconductor world and they ask me what I've been doing. And I've, I tell them, I said, I've spent the last 10 years learning how little I knew about marketing because it's just been such an explosion of, of methods that are just grossly undertapped in that industry. And so that's kind of how I got to where I'm doing this. And the, the main reason I wanted to get you on the show today is because of your thinking and your experience and your ability to help uh, a business develop trust with a prospect. Why is trust so important for MSPs? When I think about when you know opening up a relationship, and, and we'll go back to this model a lot. We, we look at relationships, at business relationships, much like uh, courtship relationships. You start off with a introduction and then you have conversation if conversation goes well you don't get married you go out on a coffee date it's a very safe date and the you know from what i understand what the ladies tell me uh they have a girlfriend call in 15 20 minutes into the date to see if they need a rescue you know and they drive themselves there you drive yourself there there's a lot of safeguards that keep you from jumping into a huge commitment that won't pan out and so that's really where a lot of trust is built and, and the hopes of that coffee date is that it evolves into a dinner date and then eventually uh, commitment. You know, that's the trajectory you're on, but you have to have a safe stop. And for some reason, uh, businesses just consistently want to jump 
from the conversation all the way to the commitment. We kind of liken it as someone walking into a bar, they see somebody cute on the other side of the bar and they say, hey, you know what? You're kind of cute. Can I get your phone number? Why don't we just get married? <laughs> <laughs> That's inappropriate. We know it's inappropriate, so we don't do it there. But for some reason, when it comes to business, that's precisely what we do. And when it fails, we st sit around wondering why. Yeah, so I think that kind of dating only works in Vegas, doesn't it? it certainly doesn't work anywhere else. Well, and, yeah, and, and, and when you try that sort of dating, you always have to question the, the character of the person that you're dating. And, uh, and I would say the same thing. If, if you're an MSP and you're looking to bring in new clients, think about the character of the client that you're bringing in. Do you want somebody who would just immediately sign up for a large commitment where <laughs> they now have access uh, or where you have access to their deepest, darkest secrets, their financial records, their HR records? Do you want somebody that would immediately jump in that bed with no questions, no relationship, no trust? Yeah, essentially, if 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 someone will marry you on the first date, they're not worth marrying is the message I think you're trying to send there. In fact, you, you're quite right that MSPs need to build triple trust because actually when someone picks an MSP, let's say if they, if they pick a CPA, an accountant, and it's the wrong accountant, the very worst thing that happens is they have a year's worth of accounts that aren't quite right, their numbers are all over the place, perhaps they pay too much tax or too little tax, but then they can fire that CPA bring in another new CPA who can fix all of those problems because ultimately it's just it's just numbers right in some software it, it's not really important in the grand scheme of things unless you run out of cash then it becomes important but if you hire an MSP and that MSP uh, leaves you vulnerable to a cyber attack you get ransomware it turns out your backups fell over three months ago it, you know your um, your VoIP system stops working one morning and no one's quite sure why these are all business killing items and I think business owners they may not know the specifics of, of how their business could be killed by their IT support company, but they know deep down that it can absolutely happen because their technology is mission critical. So I think you're right. We, we need to build triple trust with prospects. Let's start to move on to, well, actually, before we move on to, to the, the framework, I know that you had a, a kind of a, a scary epiphany moment about trust, didn't you? I, I did. So about 18 months ago, I went into the hospital with COVID. And I ended up not leaving for three months later. And about 11 days into it, they called my wife in the middle of the night and said we want, they wanted permission to put me on the ventilator. And so for me, it was lights out for about six weeks. And by the way, that's where I got this interesting little scar across the lip. It was the kind treatment of my doctors. And But six weeks later, I woke up and something bizarre happened. My trust in the doctors had absolutely plummeted to near zero. And my trust in my wife had gone through the roof. And this is going to sound weird. This was actually the best thing that ever happened in my marriage. It, it just how it brought my wife and I together is amazing. And, and, and very honestly, I've told her this. I said, it's worth the price. The price of everything I had to go through, still recovering now, it's worth the price for what it's done in our relationship, it built that much trust. And when I was first kind of coming to, things were kind of hazy. The doctors were trying to, kept asking me to do something. Now, in a clear-headed situation, I probably would have followed the doctors, but my trust in them had just completely evaporated. And my wife comes up to me and said, hey, they want to do this. 
And I couldn't talk at the time. I had trach but I could whisper and I said, is it safe? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And because I trusted her, we did it. That's fascinating, isn't it? Because if you if you study um, uh, Cialdini, Robert Cialdini, I'm sure you've yeah. you've read his book Influence, and one of the things they talk about, I'm gonna I'm gonna misquote it here, but but um, it's it's the the kind of the white coat thing. So the, there's a, a famous psychological experiment where people went way further than they would have done because there were people's posing. It was actually actors posing as scientists, wearing a white coat, holding a clipboard, and people put trust in them. And and maybe that has 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 changed over a number of years, or maybe because as you say you were in quite an extreme situation where you no longer trusted the strangers who you're surrounded by but you you did trust this person that you had built a relationship up with over a number of years i think also i mean obviously amazing that you've you've strengthened your relationship but you've got to look at that situation craig and tell yourself that not only have you improved your relationship with your wife but you now have an epic story to tell on podcasts interviews dinner parties you know you've literally got the i nearly died story and this is how it improved my marketing right is that a tad too far to say that no i mean as a matter of fact for a solid month they told my wife that i was going to die and they had her meeting with hospice to plan the day they were going to pull the plug it was a dire situation and there have been you know to, to your point for years i've always started a presentation with some type of story that makes the point and i had an experience that has just given me applications for any presentation i could ever imagine using and it's been hard. I mean, I've had to learn how to walk again. Uh, you know, everything that people take for granted, I've had to see through a different light. Uh, I've had to fight a, a bathroom door from a wheelchair to try to get the door to keep from blocking me from getting in. You know, and there are so many things that came from that that are just powerful and, and broader lessons than just what I went through, broader lessons for life. It sounds um, like a hell of an experience. So I'm glad you're healthy now, and I'm glad you're. Uh, I, I'm sure the, these kind of recoveries take many years to be fully back to, to speed. But it sounds like you're doing a great job. Let's move on to that framework. So talk to us about this. Is the big tease of this whole interview? You've got a framework for MSPs to build trust with suspicious prospects. Where do we start? Yeah. So let's go back to the the five stages of courtship. You have a uh, an introduction. You need some form of introduction. It can be referrals. It could be paid ads, it could be a variety of things. Then you need uh, to have a conversation. Now, a lot of people talk call, in marketing call these things lead magnets. I hate that term, it's so mercenary. It makes me think about the prospect in a way that I don't wanna think about them. So we call them conversation starters. That's actually the goal of that, is to actually start a conversation where you can get somebody on the phone, help equip them with information, help build their trust. That's the first step in building trust. But when you get them on the phone, instead of trying to sell them your, your MSP package, instead do this coffee date, solve a much smaller problem quickly. And that's what we call a first time offer. And quick run through, um, if you think about the ingredients of it, a first time offer is an impulse purchase. That means the coins in the cushion on your couch, the money in your wallet, or the B2B equivalent of that. It has to be an amount of money that's so small, nobody will ever be held accountable for how that money is spent. Uh, the next thing is it has to deliver a 10, uh, it has to deliver a disproportionate amount of value to price. We typically target a 10x return, uh, 10x the value for what they pay. And 
it has to solve a problem because if it's not solving a problem, it's not delivering value, it's a gimmick. Actually solve a problem for them, small problem. And that's the thing, you wanna leave the big problems unsolved and you want it to naturally lead to the next step. And so when you do those things, that actually gets you in a, a place where you're building trust by solving a small problem. It shows them how you're gonna work with them. It is the coffee date where they are making a judgment about you, but guess what? You're making a judgment about them. You know, so if you're dealing with somebody who has, is still running Windows 7 <laughs> and you're trying to, you're in, in this coffee date, you say, you know, you really need to get rid of Windows 7. And they're saying, well, no, we're not. That's your sign. This is not a good match. You know, you're, you're going to be constantly trying to, you know, maintain equipment that's obsolete or near obsolete. You know, they're not going to upgrade things. They're going to make your job harder and they're going to raise your margin. So this coffee date goes two ways. It's a chance for you to evaluate them and it's their chance to evaluate you. And a couple more things to say about that. When you're putting it together, it should have a minimum of three deliverables, no more than five. When you get less than three, it feels underwhelming. When you get over five, it becomes overwhelming. It overwhelms the brain, makes it hard for them to make a decision. One of the deliverables should be the product of a co-working session where they deliver, uh, they contribute to the deliverables. It gives them a sense of ownership. Uh, it triggers a couple cognitive biases, uh, the IKEA effect, the endowment effect. But also, when you get to the end of it and you present here are the next steps for them to reject that would require that they reject their own work, which they're unlikely to do. And then the last thing, and this hang with me because this will sound complicated at first, but I'll make it super simple immediately. The last deliverable has to solve a problem that is created by the successful delivery of the preceding deliverables. Okay. Let's, let's make that a lot more simple. If you buy a boat, you have a new problem that's created by the successful delivery of the boat. You need now need a place to dock your boat. And so if I were selling boats, when somebody came into my boat yard, I would say, we're going to find the perfect boat for you. Uh, that's going to meet exactly your needs. Once that happens, you're going to have a new problem. You're going to want to know where to dock it. Well, guess what? We have relationships with all the marinas, all the yacht clubs in the area. And we know their pricing. We will make introductions. We will find just the perfect place for you. As a matter of fact, we can have the boat delivered there. And what that does for them is that puts them in a success mindset where they start visualizing themselves, experiencing the joys of being on the boat. And that's so essential in selling is they have to picture themselves uh, actually buying what you're selling. And so that's the last step. The final deliverable has to solve a problem that's uh, created by the successful delivery of the preceding deliverables. I love it. I'm, I'm going to try and put some practical examples onto that because I know that's what most MSPs would want. So when you talked about the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget the exact words you use, but the, the, the coffee date. Let's talk about the coffee date. So some, some kind of early low-level commitment. Um, the, the only thing I can think of right now, and I bet you the second we finish this interview, I'll think of something better, but th there's a tool that MSPs have used for years, which has kind of gone out of fashion 
so much these days, which is an IT audit. So you take any MSP into any business and they'll, they'll do an audit and there are various different levels. You know, you, you can just do a software audit, you can do it a hardware audit, you can do everything, you can look at a, a pen, some sort of low level of penetration testing, security audits, right down to walking around an office and seeing a post-it note with passwords written on it. You know, that, that kind of level of, 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 of checking something. And there's, there's um, it's an old-fashioned uh, marketing method which, as I say, it doesn't seem that popular these days, but it strikes me that you could sell that audit for a few hundred dollars. So it, it may cost you a thousand dollars to actually deliver it, but it's but it's a low-level item. Do you think that kind of thing, Craig, would, would work or would we need to find something more 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 tangible than, than an audit? Well, we, we used to offer that in our own marketing and uh, we discovered there's a limited supply of people that want us to come in and tell them what's wrong with them. And so... Um, we so one we banish the term audit. Uh, we use a term called gap analysis. That would appropriately be one of the deliverables, but there you would still need a you know another three or four. Uh, what I would recommend, and and again the the essential thing is solving a problem. You know it's um, and to understand that you actually have to start with the pains that they're experiencing. Yeah, so actually the audit could just be the entry point into that because, as I say, you, you, you put any IT professional in, in any organization and they will find things that could be improved or need to be fixed urgently because they're, they're dangerous. And I guess that's where some of those other deliverables come from. Do you know what? Each MSP listening to this, it's, it's food for thought to start thinking, hmm, I wonder if we could do that. And, and, you know, different MSPs have different comfort levels or depends how much time they've got or how much spare resource they've got to do marketing. But it sounds like something that you, you could certainly start to look at, at something down that direction. And I love the idea of calling it the gap analysis. That's brilliant. Now, the boat example, uh, the boat one for me is is a lot easier. Um, if you, uh, for example, set up a, a business for proper, true remote working, uh, where they, they genuinely can access any file at any time on any device, but it's safe and it's secure. And that's that's you know genuine remote working with, with VPNs and all, all of that kind of technical stuff. And um, that creates the problem then that you've got your team working at home on their seven-year-old laptop that their kids use for homework in the evenings. And and that's not that's not a secure thing. So that that then the, the sort of the boat birth the, the where do I moor the boat example for for the MSPs to say well hey why don't we why don't we get new secure laptops for all of your team why don't we get new secure mobile devices right down to shall we give them all a, a work from home setup we'll get them set up with a proper webcam with lights with a USB microphone with everything they need from work from home and you you can almost pick up the the internet and uh, you know speeds and all sorts of you know routers and all kind of stuff like that so I think I think within the world of technology there are so many so many different things in fact there's an almost never-ending supply of things that you can uh, you can do to that but I love that concept of if you sell them the boat you've got to sell them or, or help them find somewhere to park the boat as well and of course you sell more boats right. along the way Craig tell us a little bit more about what you do to help MSPs and I know that you uh, you practice what you preach and you have a very very early kind of coffee date it's more a bit of tinder flirting really isn't it but tell us how we can access that yeah so for for any of the MSPs that are interested in learning more, uh, we have two things. One is a guide to building a first-time offer. And ju just for reference, it I spent 18 months fumbling around, screwing it up. My first first-time offer 
Nobody wanted, nobody understood what it was, nobody bought it. It was a complete failure, but I kept trying. And about 18 months later, they started hitting. And then we've obviously over the years learned so much more. So I have a guide that will let you avoid all the mistakes that, that I made. Uh, and we made a lot. And so hopefully the help guide you. We also have a course, a 23 day uh, course. Well, we give 23 days access. And I'll tell you why we do that in a second. But it's a self-paced course to help you build your own first time offer. And the reason we're limiting it to 23 days is not because we want to be stingy. We're in the business of changing lives. We want to see lives changed in powerful ways. And I know that if you sign up for the course, you'll say, I'll get to this next month and then next month it won't happen. Month after that it won't happen. Month after that it won't happen. So when we put a limitation on that, it improves the probability that you will actually put this, uh, put this to work because I believe the MSP space is ripe for change. I think this, you know, I, I talk to MSPs and they keep struggling to say, look, we're either their MSP or they're not. And I say, look, you can build a first time offer that will actually bring you in and just powerfully bond you to them. And you can evaluate them. You can avoid the, the problem clients. I've had MSPs tell me uh, about the bank clients that, you know, literally are still using Windows 7 and which is just nuts you probably don't want to work with those. And so anyway, you'll have access to that. There is a link. Uh, it's you can go to alliesforme.com slash MSP marketing, all lowercase. And that will take you into that, that offer. Paul Green's MSP marketing podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, I'm Leanne Hobson, CEO and founder of Alinea Partners, and I'm excited to recommend The Goal by Eli Goldrath and Jeff Cox. This is a fast-moving thriller of a book. Uh, it's written in that style, but it's all around crisis management and change management, and it actually walks through in story format how a project manager turned their business around from almost going out of business to thriving in a hundred days. Coming up. Coming up next week. Hi, I'm Doug Kreitzberg. I'm a cyber insurance expert, and I'll teach you enough about cyber insurance to know how to integrate it with the solutions that you're providing your clients so that you can be successful and your clients can be better insured. Hey, that platform that you're listening to this podcast on right now, go on, subscribe, hit the subscribe button. Do the same if you're watching me on YouTube and then you will never miss an episode of the show. Because on top of that interview next week, we are continuing our series, our short series about improving your sales meetings. And I'm also gonna challenge you to stop having a to-do list and instead have a stop doing list. I'll explain that fully next week. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK. For MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP, MSP Marketing Podcast.